The 290th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, getting you ready for Carolina and Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic this Saturday 5.30 p.m., and of course, that game will be televised on CBS since it is their showcase event. We're going to break down um, the Wildcats, tell you everything you need to know about the Tar Heels, talk about the event itself, the rivalry with Kentucky, and so much more. But before we do any of that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day. And, you know, with it being the 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 the, the Christmas season, you know, the Rockefeller Center, it, it, it comes into uh, it comes to the spotlight where a lot of people make a destination to see the Christmas tree there, maybe Ooh. spend their Christmas holiday there. You big Rockefeller Center guy. I'm a big fan of the Rockettes, and you can probably understand why. Um, okay. So we're going to go to John D. Rockefeller for today's pod thought of the day. And, Ooh, fancy. You know, there's there's something in there that, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, on, on this podcast so far this year. And his quote is, quote, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. And um, we have talked so much about that with this team and their shot selection. And when Carolina has played well, they have given up good shots for great shots. In their two losses this year to Nova and to UConn, it nowhere near to the same level it was last year at times for Carolina, which felt like they just settled for contested shot after shot after shot. But their shot quality uh, hasn't been the same. Um, And this is something that is still a work in progress for this team because it's a new team. You know, you've got some holdovers that are back from – Last year's squad, but you you know you you put three transfers in the starting lineup. 
Um, you've got guys that are playing roles off a of bench from from a year ago that you know didn't have roles a year ago, and so it's still a work in progress. But it's one that even though Carolina is seven and two, you know they're ranked top ten in the country, and while some of the fan base isn't happy with where the team is and when the start to the season, you and I are very happy uh, and ecstatic about where the team is right now and where the team's going as the season moves along. I, yeah, I mean, it's so hard not to be at this point because, again, it, it has to do with the fact that we've seen so, I, I mean, just so so many instances recently of it not being Carolina basketball that we were watching. Um, but, I, I, I mean, now... I mean, this team feels like a Carolina basketball team, and I think that's the most exciting part. Yeah, they didn't beat UConn. A lot of people, I feel like, thought that they should have beaten UConn, that we you know, probably let an opportunity get away there. And look, I think I think they're partially right on that. Um, I, it's definitely something that looking back on it, you know, you 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 wish Carolina had been able to finish a couple opportunities because that would have been a massive statement to the rest of the country. But at the same time, I still feel like they made, you, you know, the re- they they put the rest of the country on alert that they are still one of the better teams in all of college basketball. While UConn is probably the favorite to win the national championship at the end of the year. So, yeah, I I mean, I feel pretty good about where they're at. You're hoping that now, you know, a little bit of time off. Uh, I, I think the guy we're looking for the most to see if it affects him is Cormac Ryan. Is this a guy that can take another step, um, you know, get get back to the guy that we saw a little bit in Atlantis before he rolled the ankle? And if he can, man, this, this offense uh, could be even more lethal. Uh, now the focus, of course, is on the defensive end of the floor, and they're going to have to face two really good offensive teams to do it, including on Saturday. Yeah, and look, this 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 game, I think for for Carolina fans that are on the fence, I I, I think this game could be a telltale sign because you're going up against another blue blood team, a Kentucky team that um, is top 14 in the country that has played high level basketball. I mean, they ran Miami out of the gym in the ACC SEC Challenge. Kind of like what Carolina did to Tennessee um, in the uh, in the first half of that game, Miami did or, or Kentucky did it to Miami for forty minutes, um, and you've seen them. I mean, this team pushed Kansas and played with Kansas, a team that we can all agree is probably the favorite or the second favorite to cut to cut down the nets and win the national championship. On the flip side, they have a home loss to UNC Wilmington, um, and so they have they 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 have come up and they've they've come up big in some moments. They've come up small, but man, this is going to be a great test, a great challenge for this team, and a win I think does a lot. I, I think a win in this game gives this specific group the type of confidence that frankly we haven't seen this team have in the regular season outside of when they won at Cameron Indoor Stadium to end the season two years ago. Like, this is what this game offers. It's an opportunity. 
um, and, and a chance to really, as much as Carolina let it be known in the battle for Atlantis with that win over Tennessee, like a win over Kentucky in, on this stage where the majority of the college basketball world will be, will be watching would be uh, as, as, as big a sign as anything Carolina has done so far in the start of the season that Carolina basketball is on its way back to the top of the uh, of, of of the polls and, and among the best teams in the country, I mentioned Kentucky seven and two on the year. Um, they find themselves ranked 14th in the AP poll. They're one and one against ranked teams, as I mentioned. They lost to Kansas when they were ranked number one, and then they beat number eight Miami at the time back in the ACC SEC Challenge. And this is. This isn't a vintage John Calipari team because when Cal was really establishing his program, um, it was a defensive-minded program. And it was a program that even with freshmen played defense and played defense at a high level. This is an offensive-driven team. Um, And if you're a fan of just basketball, you love watching the way this team plays. They're a fun group to watch. They've got five guys averaging double-figure scoring. Led by Antonio Reeves, 18 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists, shooting 51% from the field and 43% from three. Rob Dillingham, second on the team in scoring, 14.1 points, 4.2 rebounds, 4.9 assists. He's shooting 48% from the field, 51% from three. Trey Mitchell, he's averaging 13.2 points, 6.3 rebounds, 3.9 assists. He's shooting 54% from the field, 35% from three. Reed Shepard averaging 13 points, 4.6 rebounds, 3.8 assists. He's shooting 61% from the field, 59% from three. And then you've got DJ Wagner, 12.6 points, 1.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists, shooting 41% from the field, 27% from three. We didn't mention Justin Edwards, another talented freshman that Calipari brought in. He's right up there near the double-digit threshold. Um, this is this team is going to be as gifted an offensive group Carolina has seen so far this season. They average 90.6 points per game, which is seventh best in the country. They shoot 41% as a team from behind the three-point line. That's fourth best in the country. They make 33 field goals per game, also fourth best in the country. And they average roughly 20 assists per game, which is eighth best in the country. And I say all of that to say um, this is a step above UConn offensively that Carolina's running into. And and we lamented and really detailed how good UConn is on the offensive end of the court. I mean, Tristan Newton, Caravan, Donovan Klingon, you know, they got Stephon Castle back in that game. Like, you saw you saw what they're capable of doing. And you saw their offensive firepower. They scored eighty seven points, shot over over fifty percent from the field. And when you look at Kentucky They've played legitimate competition. They played Kansas. They played a Miami team that could be a second weekend of the tournament type of team. Um, You look at when they lost to UNC Wilmington, they scored 73, so well below their average. But that was a game where it wasn't like they were completely in a different realm. This is as good an offensive team that Carolina has seen under Huber Davis, and it's by far and away the best team we've seen offensively so far this season. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard not to agree with that at this point. Um, they definitely have not looked their best here in the last two games. Um, you know, Penn ended up being, what, a 15-point win for them? But at the same time, that game was close most of the way, and they did lose to UNC Wilmington before that. So I think you're getting this team at the right time. But yeah, as you said, this is a team that I mean they've scored they scored 118 in a game this year against Marshall. Yeah, like I mean this is as good of a Kentucky offense as we've seen probably since the time that Carolina had a shootout with them in the CBS Sports Classic back in. Technically, 2016, but part of that 2016-17 national title season. So, I I mean, this is this has a chance to be one of the best offensive games that we've seen in a long time in college basketball. Um, Because you look at Kentucky defensively; I mean, they're 219th in the country in terms of points per game allowed. So this is a team that is gettable there, especially because of the pace that they play with. I mean, if you score the way that they do, they're going to play a fast pace. So this could be an up-and-down affair. Um, I think Carolina will be ready for this one. But, yeah, there's no denying. When you've got a guy that averages four more than four three-point attempts per game, Reed Shepard, and makes 59% of them, that's not bad. And this is a team that can score in so many different ways. This is really going to test a Tar Heel half-court defense that is really, really struggling right now. So, we'll see. This game will feel Big 12 football-ish, where it's it's going to be a shootout. Like, this is going to be a game where, you know, grab your popcorn and, and probably your pacemaker because it's going to be up and down. These teams want to run. They're going to run. And, and, you know, the thing about it is, like, I, I think if you look at this game from a college basketball perspective, from a, you know, just from the sport uh, uh, as a whole, I think that's what college basketball wants this game to be. That's what CBS wants this game to be. It's why it's the late game in a day that, look, like last week CBS really started their college basketball coverage because they, 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 they broadcast their first game of the season. They're, they've got a triple header on Saturday with Kansas at Indiana, UCLA at Ohio and Ohio State that preludes this game. Then you've got this game as well. And you go back to when those two teams played that classic in Las Vegas that Kentucky won. I mean every I mean it was it was the buzz of the sports world that mm-hmm. night because these are two of the three best programs in the sport. Like when you talk and we're going to talk about this here in just a second. Like when you talk about history, tradition, expectation, fan base, these two are it. And these 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 are as you know blue of blue bloods that you're gonna find and and so you, you know I think you know for us here we're excited um, mainly because I mean it's been ten days since we've watched this team play I mean it's I'm having withdrawals I'm not um, gonna lie you know whereas in years past man I needed ten days because I had so much of a headache like I'm back in that point now as a Carolina fan I miss my team I want to watch my, my 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 boys go to battle and you know to do it on this stage. And again, and a win that can mean so much for this season and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's reason to be excited going into this one. As I mentioned, this is this this game takes place in the CBS Sports Classic, um, where Carolina is six and three all time in the event. The three losses have all come against Kentucky, where they are one and three against the Wildcats. 
I want to talk about the event itself, though, because for whatever reason, this hasn't caught go- this hasn't caught you know. It hasn't got the foothold that I think the Champions Classic has had. Even though it's kind of the same model, you've got, for the most part, four premier programs. Like, traditionally, Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA are perennial top 25, second weekend of the tournament type of teams. Mm -hmm. When it got put together, Ohio State was under Thad Mata, winning 30 games a year, making Final Fours. They were a national contender. They've kind of slipped under Chris Chris Holtman. Three years ago, they were two seed in the tournament, like, and they've had expectations going into March. It it travels from location to location. You know, the Champions Classic is usually in Chicago or Indy, and I think now they've started moving it to to Brooklyn or Madison Square Garden. This thing has been in New York, or it's been in Brooklyn. It's been in Las Vegas. It's been in Chicago. It's been in Cleveland. It's been in New Orleans. This year, it's been in. Or this year, it's going to be in Atlanta. Do you think, though, that this event – and, look, it's not going away because there's too much money involved in it, but do you think from a fan perspective, this pre or this non-conference event, do you think it's run its course? I mean, I know. I, I wouldn't say so because it gives you the great matchups between Carolina and Kentucky, Carolina and UCLA. Um, I got to be honest – Carolina Ohio State doesn't do a ton for me. I mean, it was a pretty it was a it was a fun one last year. No, it was. It's a fun game, but like in terms of the matchup, like if you're looking at that on paper, that's not one that like with these you have the history of the matchups. These teams are blue bloods. I mean, UCLA, even though a lot of people, you know, probably look and say, "Oh, they're in a similar-ish category to Indiana." I mean, they've been a little bit better in recent years, but the fact that oh, they've had they had their really successful stretch and here recently they haven't been as successful. Carolina UCLA is still a big deal. Where I don't know if you look at Carolina and Ohio State in that realm. Do you look at Kentucky and Ohio State like that? Even UCLA, Ohio State. So, I mean, I guess that's sort of a factor. Although, I got to be honest, in the Champions Classic, I mean, is Michigan State matching up against anybody that big anymore? Like, especially, no. and, and once Tom Izzo leaves, that I mean, what are they going to be? Are they going to be that great? Probably not. So... I mean, my thing, the reason I think, honestly, that it's not as big as the other one is because Kentucky's involved in both. Yeah. So I think in their minds, most people say, well, they probably value. Also, it's when it takes place. It used to be it started the season. I wish that it was required that that was where teams started their season because I hate when teams, I think, didn't Duke do it this year? They played some crap team before they played in that and, and they played number nine Arizona. So they oh, that's had, right. They, they did play it up and then another top ten matchup. See, to me, like I want that opening the season because I think even that event has been lessened a little bit. This one, it's in the middle of the season, but it's not at that point where it's in conference play where people are focused because we know around especially throughout the country and even even around here to a certain extent, as big of a basketball state as this is. It's hard for a lot of people to fully shift their attention to college basketball outside of their own team until they get to post-football. So I do wonder, like, if you put this event in the middle of conference play, this would be freaking huge. Well, man. and and that's what I was that's what I was going to bring up because as a college basketball junkie, it's my favorite sport. 
I, it's why I do this podcast because I love the, the you know a college basketball team that's the best program in the country. It's why I do the career that I have, even though in sports talk radio, unless you work in Charlotte or in some in some other areas, college basketball isn't a really big talking point. I have a hard time unless it's a game like this where you've got these two teams that look really really good. I have a hard time myself getting up for both games, but if you put this game in the middle of February. Um, you, you know, or at the end of January when the net is really important and we're really starting to look at the bubble. Yep. And, you know, looking at quad one, quad two type of games, I do think that would raise the value in this event. Remember, I mean, just, just looking back to last year, rem- just, just think about how big this event would have been last year. Carolina on the bubble. Kentucky at the time would have been on the bubble. Ohio State, the only reason they were, would not because of their their record, because they hadn't really beaten anybody, but in the net, they were still hanging around. I mean, this event could have been massive to determine who could have gotten into the NCAA tournament. And also, like I, I think the one thing that I, I struggle with, with with this matchup as much as anything is, as and look, I love it because it's it's good for the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're going to talk about the, the the rivalry with Kentucky in a second. I mean, I I hate Kentucky for you know for as many reasons as as as, as every Carolina fan does. The sport would benefit if this game was played in Chapel Hill and Lexington, and that's oh yeah, we saw it. We saw it when we grew up as kids. Remember, they had a, a few games there where they played in Lexington and in Chapel Hill, and it was, I mean, it was fiery, man. Those games meant a lot to those guys. Both games were classics as well. And it's one of the downsides to the ACC SEC challenge is because Kentucky's in the in the sport in the Champions Classic with Duke and because they're in the CBS Sports Classic here with Carolina, we're not going to see Carolina Kentucky and Chapel Hill, Carolina Kentucky and Lexington, Lexington as often as we would if they weren't in both events. It'll help. It'll help though. It'll still you'll you'll still see it pop up from time to time. Now they I'll say this, they will never match Carolina and Kentucky up if they play in the CBS Sports Classic. Nor should they probably. But um I, I mean you'll still that'll that'll help it a little bit and create that. But I mean, it's it's one of those ones that you feel like you probably should see more often because yeah, there's a lot of vitriol between both sides. When you look at the, the the history of this rivalry, Carolina twenty five and seventeen all time against the Wildcats, um, and look, there's a lot that goes that goes into this. You know, when when these two teams started playing, they always had to go to Lexington because Adolph Rupp would not come to Chapel Hill because um, you know you know Chapel Hill um, didn't have a color barrier. And that was that was a real thing. Like there was a reason why Carolina, and and that's why really where the rivalry started was because, you know, Dean Smith, you know, brought Charlie Scott on campus. Yep. Adolph Rupp and his program, they didn't have African. He's a he, he, he's a he's a racist. They you know they didn't have. You could say it right out. They didn't he's have African American players. And one of the the best wins that Carolina ever had under Dean Smith was a game. Uh, in Lexington, where I think it was Larry Brown and Co. They had broken out in hives, and Dean Smith told them in the pregame, "Just pretend that you're playing against Tennessee," and they went out there and, and beat them. 
But, you know, for a while, these two teams played very frequently, but always in Lexington. Um, that's why I think it's it's always a little bit more special whenever they do come to Chapel Hill, because for so long they wouldn't. Um, and so my question is, is given how close Kentucky is to North Carolina, and given that, you know, they've played 42 times, and it feels like every time these two teams get together, it's a big deal. Would you consider Kentucky, if Carolina were to have a third rival, would you consider Kentucky to be Carolina's third rival over uh, Virginia or a Wake Forest? Well, Wake Forest, it's not even a question. I mean, come on. Like, that's not... It was a big deal, though, when the ACC first got put together, and it was a big deal in the 90s and the 2000s. I mean, I just... There's not... There's not much there. Like now, to be fair, is there really much there in basketball with state? I feel like the the hatred is more of the university, the fan base, like the program. Like Carolina has just dominated them. Yeah, I, that I, being said, they're still a rival. I'll, like, I'll, yeah, because I'll, I'll remind you, uh, we lost to them last year in a game that Carolina needed to have. Oh, to make there's the no, tournament. there's no doubt about it. It that. was, it wasn't a good feeling. It's yes, it's a one sided oh, rivalry. I, I it's still a rivalry. Yeah, I absolutely hate them. Like I know the the running joke for a lot of people around the basketball program, and it, for some reason it extends into the football program, even though it shouldn't. Is that they're not our rival? They definitely are. Um, Virginia, I no, I just, I, I mean, I hate them, but like, is there really that much vitriol between the two sides? Like, I, I honestly feel like the players on the court in this matchup do not like each other. Like, I, I, I mean, that's that's how I feel. Um, would I say they're number three? <sighs> if you base it off of the history, probably. But I will tell you. Kansas has made a really strong push, man. Like, especially after the title game, I think that might be number three. They haven't I, played forty-two times. Though. I personally, I'm, I, I mean, I was, I'm glad that this came up because I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, in terms of the teams you actually hate as a fan, like Duke is number one for me. Villanova's number two. I absolutely hate everything about them. Cannot stand them. Yeah, I mean... Like, even more than Kansas... Like, I respect I respect Kansas. I respect Kentucky. I, I don't know if I don't respect Villanova. I just hate them that much. I cannot stand them at all. I uh, See, for, for me, it's different because... And look, like, there's, there's disdain for Villanova because they took away a national championship from my favorite player. It's the fashion that they did it. Um, oh, you know, oh. like like Marcus Page is, is still my favorite all-time Carolina basketball player. I don't ever see that changing. There's never been a game I wanted to win more than that game because I wanted that guy to, to finish his career as a national champion. But as we've gotten away from it, that disdain has lessened to a certain degree. Don't like them. I enjoy seeing them fail. I think there I think there's more individual hatred towards Jay Wright than there is the Villanova program uh as a whole because the Villanova program, you know, is it's a part of the greatest upset in the history of the NCAA tournament. Like there's there's a lot of great things that that, that really play a factor with, with that program individually. Um uh, when I look at it from a rivalry standpoint, it's Duke one to me, Kansas is, is two because of just how many times they've ended Carolina's in their, their tournament. That's a good point. Yeah, you know the 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 08 Final Four loss 
is still the most stunned I've ever been after a tournament loss. And, you know, we talk about it all the time about how it's like the NFL postseason. You know, you're there and then your season's over. Carolina was down 40-12 to in, in that game. Then they come back, make it 56-55. They end up losing 84-66, to 2012, in a game without Kendall Marshall. That game is 67-67. Like, Carolina's there with a chance to win and go to the Final Four. They get outscored 13-0 in the game. Then the next year, now Carolina wrongfully misseeded. They get, they get slotted as an eight seed, lose to Kansas in the second round. Then, of course, 2021, where, where Carolina blew... Carolina blew the two, you know, the, the biggest lead in championship game history. But it goes deeper than that. Because when Roy Williams left Kansas to come to Carolina, you know, shortly after they run a a a, a, a pregame intro of the history of Kansas basketball. And in his 15 years, no one won. Uh, uh, Bill Self may have top, may have topped it, but at the time, no one won, no one wore no one won more games in 15 years than, than Roy Williams. They didn't play a single highlight from those 15 years. Yeah, that's you know what. And now that Carolina and Kansas have the home and home next year, which is great. College basketball should rejoice that. I think you're going to see those two schools play a little bit more often, which means that rivalry is only going to further, which means the hatred is only going to further. You think Roy will be at those games? By- <laughs> the thing I struggle with when it comes to Kansas is you can't tell the story of Kansas basketball without North Carolina, and you can't tell the story of North Carolina basketball without Kansas. They're forever intertwined. and and so it's. But there's a hatred there. For me, Kentucky's third – because there's, I mean, a blue blood, rabid fan base. Um, I hate John Calipari. I dated a girlfriend, or I dated a girl that went to Kentucky. She Ooh, left me, yeah, so I hate true. them. Like there's, there's a lot of internal and external factors that goes into into hating them. Damn, so you got Villanova pretty far down. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, I, okay. I, I guess if I had to put, I mean, Nova probably would come in four. And again, it's it's just because they took. They took away a national title from Marcus Page. It's the fashion they did it. That that's that's the worst part, and we have to see that over and over and over again. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, like for me, this is Carolina's third rival. I put a lot of stock. I put a lot of value into beating this team. We look at this game from a Carolina perspective. Carolina seven and two on the year, still ranked inside the AP top ten. They are ninth in the poll. Um, like the Wildcats, they are one and one against ranked teams, having beaten nationally ranked Tennessee, and of course lose to lost to UConn last week in the Jimmy V Classic. Carolina has four players of their own, averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, who's now up to 21 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 44% from the field, 36% from three. Armando Baycott, 15.9 points, 11.9 rebounds. He's shooting 51% from the field. Harrison Ingram, 15.1 points, 6.4 rebounds, 2.6 assists, shooting 49% from the field, 46% from three. And then Cormac Ryan, the last guy averaging double figures, 10.4 points, 2.9 rebounds, 1.8 assists, shooting 33% from the field, and 26% from behind the three-point line. Um, Carolina is averaging making 21.2 foul shots per game. That's fourth most in the country. While attempting 28 foul shots per game, that is sixth best in the country. And so now that you've gotten the rundown on Kentucky, you've gotten the rundown on Carolina, 
Carolina. Let's talk about our keys to the game um, and maybe identify our player or two that's got to really stand out for Carolina to come away victorious. The first key for me is win the race to 90. And notice when we yes. when, when when we previewed UConn, it was win the race to 80. Well, we're taking it up a notch because Kentucky averages 90 points per game, and Kentucky or and Carolina averages right at 85, 86 points per game. This is going to be fast paced. This is going to be high scoring. Mm-hmm. Carolina can play really well defensively, and they're still going to give up points because this this might be the most. Uh, possession the the highest possession game Carolina plays in all season long. With that though, you've got to avoid the scoring droughts. You go back in that UConn game, Carolina went from the eleven minute mark in the second half to the four minute mark in the second half without a bucket. Can't happen because against a team with the offensive firepower that this Kentucky team has, you could be up eight and be down twelve. You could be down six and be down 24 because this team is not going to stop putting the ball in the basket. And so um, 10 days off, Carolina will be as fresh as they've been since the season started, and they need to be prepared to come out and play offensive basketball at the highest level they've played so far this season. Yeah, I I mean – it's this has to be their best game, I think, if they want to find a way to win this one. Um, you mentioned, I mean, the pace of this game is going to be insane. I just like to me, I, I feel pretty confident that Carolina can handle it because, I mean, I know the statistics. I forget who put it up yesterday showed that this team really isn't moving that much quicker than some of the teams that we've seen the last couple of years, but it feels like it. It feels like when they do choose to run, they're smarter with the basketball. They get out in the open court, and they find ways to... I mean, they definitely have scored more fast break points this year. That's where this game could be won, and so I think Carolina's got to be locked in. Yeah, defensively, I mean, look, you you know that you're going to give up baskets in this game. I think the biggest thing is, is one... You got to defend without fouling. You cannot get guys into foul trouble. This team has enough trouble defending as it is, so they need to be smart about how they go. You go about defending these guys, and then the other thing is, is look, the thing that hurts you the most in the game against UConn, yeah, they hit some tough mid-range shots on you. You did a pretty good job of contesting those. You have to do a better job of contesting the three-point line than you did against UConn. You gave them way too many open looks, uh, just in general, but especially from beyond the arc. You have to be able to run this team off the three-point line, make them beat you inside. And I know that's dangerous because we've talked about how Carolina at times uh, has, has allowed teams to just go by them in the lane. But you cannot let this team get into the rhythm that UConn did from beyond the arc, or it's going to be really hard. You're going to have to find a way to just keep up with them. And as we saw, Carolina, they've got some really good scores, but everybody would have to be in rhythm for them to be able to do to keep up with this Kentucky offense. Yeah, defending the three-point line is the second key to the game. I read Adam Lucas's uh, weekly practice report. Carolina is implementing a new defensive scheme. That I think we'll mm. see, we'll see on Saturday. I wonder if that new defensive scheme is playing zone, because 
I've I've really come to the idea that that might be the best way Carolina plays its defense in the half court. And this is a tough admission for you. You are not a zone fella. Yeah, no, I don't believe in it. I think it should be outlawed. I believe in it. Um, and I, I, I mean, it, it should have kept Jim Beheim out of the Hall of Fame because it's not the way that basketball was intended to be played. Ooh, with that, take. with that being said, um, I, to, I, I look at this team, and it's, let me say it this way: if you're gonna play with Elliot, if you're gonna play Elliot Cadeau and R.J. Davis in the backcourt a lot, I would play zone defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you go to a lineup where maybe you've got R.J. and Seth Trimble, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, Armando Baycott, I think you can play five up. I I I, I think you can because Trimble's bigger, more athletic. You're, he's not gonna he's not gonna hurt you as much with as much as Carolina is switching everything in in whenever whenever they're they're trying to defend a ball screen. Um, and, and so that's what I'm be I'm be interested to see what this new defensive scheme is. Simply put, if Kentucky shoots 41 percent from behind the three point line, which is their average, they're gonna win the game. And it's a yeah. hard thing to ask you to to hold them under that because I ran through their dudes. You've got you've got three dudes shooting forty three percent or better from behind the three point line that that average double figure scoring, Good and God. it's not unlimited attempts. Yeah, like these are guys that are taking shots in the rhythm of their offense. Um, they move the ball well, so kind of what Hubert Davis is emphasizing. The Kentucky takes great shots. Like it's why you get rewarded when you when you play the game the right way. Whenever you take great shots, the game rewards you with makes. When you don't take great shots, you shoot a low percentage. And so Carolina is going to have their hands full in this one. And um, this, the, 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 this, this is going to have to be something where, you know, we talk about it a lot where, yes, defense is 90% effort and the 10% of his technique and strategy. I, I, I think Carolina's effort is there. I, I haven't watched them and thought that they're not competing on that end of the court. I just don't know if they're built to to be a, a very good defensive team man to man. So you've got to adjust. You've got to you got to use different techniques, different principles. And I would put them in a two three zone and make Kentucky shoot you out of it. Yeah. Well, I, look, the effort is definitely not in question. If you question the effort of this team in any aspect of the game, that I, I mean, I just don't know what to tell you. Like, you need to open your eyes. This team gives effort. From the word go to the final whistle, it's or horn, whatever. Uh, I've I've never questioned that about this team, even with their struggles defensively. I just think you're right. There are guys that some of them can't simply can't stay in front of guys, and other ones are not guys that rotate well to be able to defend the three point line. That's that's what we saw a lot of in the game against UConn. They also got. Um, they also got screened to no end. You wonder, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of Kentucky. I don't know if Kentucky is going to be as screen heavy as UConn was. But, I mean, it's going to be a part of the way every team attacks Carolina. Well, and they but, should, yes. But, you know, John, Cal- or John Calipari's MO is the dribble drive motion offense. Like they're gonna dribble, they're gonna dribble it at you, make you collapse, kick it out. That's why you play zone, because it's it's yes. it, it, it's harder for you to drive on it. It's easier for you to trap on it. Um, and I got it, it, it. That's just where I'm at. Like I mean, I don't like being there because I I want my I want my team to be 
tough enough to get in the half court, get in the stance, and guard somebody. It's not from a lack of toughness. I just don't think that they're equipped to do it for 40 minutes. And I think Hubert Davis has to figure out when the full court press is going to show up. Yes. Um, that's He's got to be strategic with it for sure. But, yeah, it's it, this is going to be a big part of what Carolina has to do the rest of the season. Hubert has to pick the right time to start going to the press. Well, the thing is is that it doesn't need to be your, your, your fallback plan when you get down eight. Like, you've got to be willing – in the first half, if you're up four, to, to throw it out there. And you can do it sporadically. It, 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 this, this is the thing. When you go to it, it's not, hey, all of a sudden they made a basket, they're up two, we're going to it, this is our defense the rest of the game, guys. We, we have no choice. Like, you can always go back if you want to, but... I mean, yeah, I I think they I and I've said that they they have to be strategic with it because they're not a team that's going to do it for forty minutes. It's not going to happen. Like especially in the modern game, you're just you're never going to see anybody do that ever again. So I think that that's an element that will be important in this game for sure with a team that scores the way that Kentucky does. If you can force turnovers, if you can force the team just to just as a way to slow this offense down at times then Carolina has to implore it and implore it throughout the night um but I mean yeah th- this is the one thing you can say about Hubert Davis a lot of people last year and even in his first year complained that he did not make any sort of adjustments I mean this dude's trying literally everything like y- you have 10 days off the dude is implementing a new defensive scheme like we've never seen that. Well, what it really so, shows you is that he didn't he didn't trust his guys to to pick up what he was putting down. I look, I think he's just a guy that knows him and and, and the rest of his staff deserve credit too. I think they've looked at this group like we have and have said these are guys that simply cannot defend man on man in the half court. It's it's just not there. There's always going to be one or two weaknesses on the court defending the ball. And I think they've been exposed because of that at times this year. There are guys that are good individual defenders. Harrison Ingram, good individual defender. Jalen Withers has his moments, good individual defender. R.J. Davis, he has moments where he defends well. But there's other guys, like, dude, Elliot Cadeau, you want to play him a lot? Elliot Cadeau's not Seth Trimble. Like, Seth Trimble's the best defender you have. When he came in last year, he was the second-best defender on your team behind only Leaky Black. Elliot Cadeau, he's a guy that thrives on the offensive end of the floor. He's not a guy that is ready defensively to defend at this level. And so that's a guy that sometimes gets exposed. Cormac Ryan. I thought Cormac Ryan, from what I saw in his time at Notre Dame, would be better than he has been defensively. He's had moments where he just looks completely lost at times out there. So, like, yeah, you have some weaknesses that Carolina has to find a way to cover up on that end of the floor. And I think trying to shift schemes and at least trying to do something, Toriel fans should be all for this. Yeah, and and I mean... It's just where you're at right now as a team, as a program. Plus, it can't hurt against Kentucky to throw it out there and see if you can find a way to slow down this offense, right? And, you know, for for old school Carolina basketball fans, you should be excited because you're going to start seeing Carolina play four different defenses on four different possessions. 
I mean, that's something that I've never seen in my lifetime. I mean, under Roy Williams was a straight man-to-man, you know, team mm-hmm. and program. Like under Coach Smith, they they wrote they did they did different things. I think Hubert Davis wants to get there. The last key, the last key to the game, you guessed it, is win the rebounding battle. Um, a lot of emphasis in the in the ten days off to get Carolina uh, built more effective, more committed in that department. The biggest reason why this this is the key uh, is a key in this game is a big game. This is going to matter. Mm-hmm. Size wise, you've got an advantage. Like you look at their you, you look at their core group of dudes. The guy that's you know one of you know you got six eight six nine guys. So you're you're going to be just as if not a little bit bigger than they are. You've got you've got to impose your will. It was always going to be hard to out rebound the Yukons of the world. Um, and there will be some teams like when Carolina plays Duke, it's going to be hard to out-rebound Duke. But this is a team that matches up, plays very similar to the way that you want to play, which makes this all the more important that Carolina controls the glass. Carolina is averaging 38.9 rebounds per game. Kentucky's averaging 37.8. And so that's roughly, a, you know, if you do the rounding up and everything, that puts Carolina at 39 and Kentucky at 38, you know, this feels like a game where Carolina's not going to win the rebounding margin by double digits. But if you get six to eight more rebounds than them, you convert more second-chance opportunities than they do, that might be the determining factor in the ballgame. Well, winning rebounding battles by double digits is is something that I'm not going to say it's it's – completely over, but it's not something, especially in games like this, that you should be expecting. Um, if they win it, if they win the rebounding battle, that could be what wins them the game. Because more than any other matchup that Carolina has had this season, it's it's going to come down to second chance points. If Kentucky gets extra possessions and capitalizes on them, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to win the game. If you find a way to get extra possessions and score on them, it's going to be really difficult for Kentucky to win the game because I think these two teams are very evenly matched. And I, I think it's when, when you can find a way to get a stop in this game, turnovers will also be a big factor, but, it, but rebounding and getting those extra opportunities will be massive because you ju- you just don't feel like there is much room for error. So if Carolina can find a way to scrap, I'm not saying you need one of those perfor- type of performances that we've seen before from Armando Baycott on the offensive glass where he's getting 8, 9, 10 offensive rebounds. Would love it if it actually happened, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but you need... To see this team find a way to show up on the defensive end, limit the extra opportunities for Kentucky, and you also need to find a way to get yourself a few extra opportunities because in the end, that could really be the difference in the game. Carolina enters with a 53.2% chance to win the game on Saturday afternoon. Mm. Who wins the game and why? Yeah, you know who I'm going with. I'm going with Carolina. Um, I I really think we've seen the last two games from Kentucky against non-power conference opponents. Uh, They've struggled. They've really struggled. I mean, the loss to UNC Wilmington, I think probably had a lot of Kentucky fans feeling like, oh, no, here we go again. This could be another season like we've been in the last few years. 
I still think Kentucky's a really, really good team. You don't average 90 points per game at this point of the season, and you're not you're not a good offensive team. I think we're in for a shootout. I really do. But I think Carolina is geared to play this way. These are the types of games that Carolina will thrive the most in. When they match up against teams that can defend at a high level, that's when they could be in trouble. This game, not saying Kentucky doesn't do some things good on the defensive end of the floor, but I don't think they will be able to contain Carolina I think in the end it comes down to a couple of key possessions late, and I'm going to tell you, Kentucky's got some really good players. Kentucky doesn't have the veteran leadership and the type of clutch play that R.J. Davis brings to the table for Carolina. I think R.J. makes some big shots late. I like Carolina to prevail over Kentucky. I've wrestled with this game since we've started getting ready for it because, to me, I think this game dictates – where Carolina goes, and 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 I I don't think if Ooh. Carolina loses, they're in jeopardy of not of not making the tournament. I don't think this game sends them sideways. I think it probably keeps them where they've been the last couple of years, which is a good team, but a team that maybe doesn't reach where we want them to get to double by in the ACC tournament, solidly in the field as we get into March. A win, I think, sends this team on an upward trajectory that we haven't seen under Huber Davis and really puts them in a position to be the maybe the favorite to win the ACC as we get closer and closer to the start of conference play. You put this team together the way that you did because you wanted, yes, the collective talent, but you wanted the collective experience for games like this, to show up in big games and big moments. Um, you know, the, they won't say it publicly because that's just not the way that things are done around here. They know that this game's important for, for this group. Hubert Davis knows it. RJ Davis knows it. Armando Baycott, uh, he knows it. I think he'll be motivated to bounce back after a subpar performance against UConn. And then you hit the nail on the head. Kentucky's got really good basketball players. Um, and they're, they're, they're guys that are probably more gifted than, than what Carolina has. But they don't have a guy as experienced as R.J. Davis making big plays consistently, being that guy. Um, And I think that's going to be the difference. I think Carolina's experience, I think Carolina's leadership, their renewed chemistry, I think all that culminates in the biggest win of the season so far, maybe the biggest regular season win under Hubert Davis. I, 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 I pick Carolina to emerge victorious on Saturday night as well. Well, no matter what, no matter what happens on Saturday, we'll have you covered on the HeelToughBlog.com, where the site is still booming. More transfer portal news, more injury news, more bowl game news for Carolina football um, as they're now getting prepared for the Duke's Mayo Bowl against West Virginia. Go and read about all that information as you got guys going to the NFL, guys that are entering the portal and all that stuff. Anthony is working around the clock to keep you updated on the latest. As for Carolina basketball, of course, we'll have a game preview, game recap for the game. Um, I wrote an article about Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington, two guys that have taken major steps forward uh, for the Tar Heels this season. You can go and check that article back, or you can go and check that article out as well. And as for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. 
Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!